Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Volrath Feed, the show that discusses everything that makes up the world of commercial food service. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And as with every week, Justin Pearson is by my side. Justin, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing doing well and happy to be here by your side. <laughs> you know, we just got to keep things a little different here once in a while. That's right, yeah. So, Justin, today we're going to have another fun show. I just know it. I know that uh, this is a topic that you and I will definitely appreciate. We'll be talking about cookies a lot and then sweet goods again this week. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how can you not have fun talking about cookies? I mean, really. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some good tips along the way as well, I'm sure. But this one's unique in, in that, you know, you hear a lot about people that have this hobby that somehow turns into a successful business. We hear about it all the time. People have these things that that grow into these great businesses. And you say, where did it start? Well, it's a hobby in their garage or their kitchen or their basement or wherever. And today's guest is trying to do just that. And um, it may not be commercial food service in the way many might think of it, but it does apply because, you know, we have a person who's got this culinary talent and they're trying to take this hobby and turning it into a a real business, right? I mean, it is a real business as it is now, but they're trying to grow it into even more. So that's Mm going to be fun to hear, you know, how does it start? Where does it go? And maybe give some advice along the way of some some things that she's done and, and ran to. I guess I've just led on to our guest. Uh, today we'll have Annette Conrad, who is the owner of Edible Impressions and Cocktail Art in Mequon, Wisconsin. Yeah. I, you know, everybody starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that experience, although it may differ in a lot of ways, it I, I would venture to say that there are more similarities and there are differences in, in your thought process and, and what you have to make sure is in place in order to ensure some level of success or, or wherever you would like to take your business. So, and a lot of that is, it's hard to find. It's hard to find answers to. So to hear what she's going through and and some of the solutions that she's found along the way, I think will be very beneficial for a lot of people who are sitting on the fence, nope, you know, I that have, have, a, have a good skill, whether it be in, in uh, the culinary arts or, or anything else, really. It's mm-hmm. a, a lot of those new uh, growing pains that that we all experience when we go into business for ourselves, right? And, and, and well, I'm sure we'll hear a lot of that. Some of the pain and some of the things that you discover along the way. I know my parents went into business and they didn't know as much about it, obviously, as uh, they probably wished they had when they got into it. But sometimes it's the personality that carries you through. A little grit, determination can get you a long way. So we'll see how she does, and we know her a little bit. I don't know if you've experienced any of her cookies yet, but she- I have. Yeah? yeah. For our baby shower that the office put on for us, they they ordered some from her. And oh, that's right. They traveled very well, and they held <laughs> up, and then uh, it, they were almost too good looking to eat, but then, you know, you, you got to eat them because that's what they were meant for. Right. It's not not like you're going to set it up on, on your shelf and collect with other antiques. So it's it's edible art. It's fun to appreciate both visually, but then to uh, to also consume. Well, she strives for the highest quality, hand decorated sugar cookie. That's her goal. So yes, while they're great to look at, you you have to eat them. Of course, they taste awesome. She does a really good job, and I'm again hoping to get some some tips there along the way from her. She's got some uh, experience in our industry. She was an event coordinator for several years, so she's got a 
a lot of experience. And that's, I think, goes to the other side, this other business that she has with cocktail art. I'm sure when you're putting on events, people are looking for ways to differentiate the event or a brand wants to be prominent and maybe a, a big brand sponsors the, sponsors the cocktail party. So they want their, their name. And I guess these are, they're like a, are they edible and you put them on top yeah. of a cocktail? Okay. Correct. Yeah. I've not and experienced them before, but I, I saw them online. It looked interesting. It's a great branding opportunity. Right. And it's just one of those things that sticks in people's mind. Oh, I'm sure people leave that event and they go home and say, boy, we had this cocktail party and on top of my cocktail, there was a printed logo of X brand and they talk about it and how cool it was and everything else. I just mm -hmm. wonder if it tastes, does it mess up your taste of your cocktail? I got to imagine that might not sit well with some people. Well, yeah, unless you, <laughs> you you get it to complement whatever beverage that oh, maybe. maybe it's a signature signature drink that you're doing, and then lemon twist, yeah, flavor. yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would go well. But people are picky about their drinks, though, right? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a core value. Right. You, you have your go to <laughs> drink, and if you mess with it, then then people get out of sorts pretty quick. Yeah. Back to baking, I suppose. The uh, other interesting things about people that do things like this from their home is you you have your home kitchen, and yet you're baking, I'm sure, larger quantities than what your home kitchen was designed to produce. So how mm -hmm. does that work, right? How yeah. do they balance this extra load with even oven space and cooling space, mixers? You know, going from a KitchenAid small five quart counter mixer to a 20 quart or some other larger mixers that's a big deal for a home kitchen so we'll be interested to hear from her on on some of that i know we get to, we're at the volrath company so we have the benefit of seeing some of this equipment and thinking about like a 20 quart mixer on your counter at home i, mm -hmm. I don't know how that would work at least not <laughs> in my home <laughs> yeah, i'd have to have some reinforced counters there yeah yeah and where do you put it when you're not using it is that just a it just lives there kitchen yeah, art now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a lady at a food show hug one of our mixers. She loved it so much. <laughs> I have a picture of it. I should share it with you. It's uh, a lady from a pretty cool organization called Mercy Chefs. And what they do is they travel the country and uh, not to get too far off topic here, but anyway, they, they, they're like a relief organization, right? They fly in, they provide meals and she saw our mixer. She goes, this is my favorite mixer. She gave it a big hug. So. Oh, well, with something like a mixer that can literally change your life at the workplace, I can see where the love comes in. It saves you time. It gives you oh. life back. Oh, it's all about quality too. Be able to cream the butter right, you know, at the right speed. You don't want to do it too much, or it's going to get hot. So there's there's a lot to do with the right piece of equipment for sure. Yeah, right tool for the job always. Right. I did see one thing online. She did say something about her best baking secret was time and patience. She said that was her best baking secret. So but, yeah, that's. It's not a 20-quart mixer? Darn. We could have used <laughs> that. <laughs> no, patience is a little bit uh, of a more difficult commodity to come by. Oh, don't we know that? Don't we know that? Especially in food service. And especially baking. Mm -hmm. we, we've had this discussion before about baking being precise, yep. being the accurate, being percentages. You know, well, maybe we have to ask her again, is she a measure by volume or measure by weight? Because we've learned right. from some of our previous guests, it's all about percentages and therefore it's weight mm -hmm. so we'll have to ask her if she signs on to that as well all right so justin what do you think should we bring our guest on the show and find out a little bit more about all these questions we have and i'm ready i'm ready let's let's talk about cookies let's talk about cocktails let's talk about 
starting up business. Let's get it rolling. All right. Well, let's bring on then our guest for today, Annette Conrad, who is uh, once again the owner of Edible Impressions and Cocktail Art in Mequon, Wisconsin. Annette, welcome to the Volrath Feed. Thank you very much. I've been looking forward to this opportunity. Oh, we have as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anytime we got a chance to talk about cookies and cocktails, (laughs) uh, yes, please. We are in. We are in. So uh, tell us, one of the things I read is that, um, I don't know if it's it's a... it's something got caught, I believe. It's something of the highest quality hand-decorated sugar cookie. That's your goal. How long have you been on the quest for the highest quality hand-decorated sugar cookie? Yes, thank you very much. You know, it actually started as a hobby. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking back, when I was doing my hobby, I never thought that I would have a nationwide, largely growing business um, started many years ago and definitely specializing in hand-decorated custom cookies. It's uh, the only thing that my team and I do. Um, we've often thought about branching out, but uh, we know that you know, niching down into one good, high product, um, high quality product is really important. But um, you know, honestly, I had been, my background is, is in events coordination and planning. And I'd worked many years for the university, Marquette University. And honestly, I would still be there if my love for the hand-decorated cookie and my passion and hobby, again, did not grow um, with the, you know, with the interest that was there. And, uh, but, you know, running my hobby slash transitioning into a business for nine consecutive years while I worked at the university, it was time to kind of do the microphone drop after my son graduated. (laughs) And I I just kind of jumped in and, um, you know, I love it. There's just so many things uh, about it that I love. And, so, so what happened nine years ago? Did you bring something to a party and people thought, wow, those are fantastic. And th- did that give you the idea? Where did the idea that you're actually going to try to do this as some level of business early on? Sure. Um, in the beginning, when I was at the university, I was one of the events that I planned was the Al's Run and Walk for Children's Hospital. And one of my fundraising activities personally for my family and I was I created cookie boxes. So after practicing with the family and, you know, um, just having fun with cookies, I thought, oh, my gosh, these people were asking me, where did you get those and would you make me some? And so I developed this fundraising idea that 100 percent of the proceeds went back to the organization. And from then and right there is when word of of mouth started to spread. And uh, for many years, I became known as the cookie lady at Marquette, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Um, people still call me and, and I think they still think I'm there, but it's been now two years where I, I kind of <laughs> left. Um, but no, so anyway, so it really came down to the fact of looking for something that was creative, that was unique, that was dual purpose. So really, you know, cookies can be a gift. They're an appreciation. Um, they are decor and they're also a sweet treat and they're beautiful. They're artwork too. So I have some people asking me just to give them cookies to put on their cakes or to just you know, jazz at the table that they're meant to be eaten. And so um, I was really excited and um, I, I really thought, okay, wait a minute, I've got something here because it's, um, you know, yeah, there are a lot of cookiers out there and a lot of baked goods. And, but where I think I kind of became a little bit more unique and from the very beginning is I asked a lot of questions about what the needs and expectations were of that person asking me for cookies. I wouldn't just say, well, this is what we have. Um, this is what you get. This is how many you get. This is how it's packaged. I would actually, using my event planning skills, I would say, what is it that you need? Tell me about your event. Who's coming to the event? Where are they coming from? Where are they going? 
you know, how do you envision handing out the cookies? How would they, you know, how would you like them packaged? And I love, 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 I am a presentation queen. I like to say I have closets and closets of um, just a variety of packaging um, because I always say it's all in the presentation. So um, I just, you know, that was just, and that's from that day to this day, that has not changed whatsoever. So uh, your guest, I, I can't imagine if I went to a bakery or someone and they asked me all those questions, your guests must really have appreciated though the level of interest you were looking and the level of uh, details and what exactly their expectations were. That's, that's highly unusual. So I'm sure they appreciated that, um, but I'll right. bet you're the only one that... <laughs> yeah. In fact, yesterday I received a phone call and we'll talk later, but I am turning people away and it breaks my heart. This is the first time in my 15 years of decorating that I have actually turned a business away. And so I know if I'm turning a business away that I can imagine some of the smaller bakeries um, at this time are, are struggling with keeping pace. So, and you know, I'm, I'm a super type A personality and all the members of my team are the same way. And so, you know that, okay, wait a minute, if we're turning people away, then, you know, they're definitely number one is a demand, but, but, you know, going back to your, your comment about asking questions and what, what I really try to gauge when I talk with someone or when they send in a form or when they email me or text me. And yes, I get messages from all over. That's one of the areas that I need to maybe set some boundaries. <laughs> we'll talk about that as one of the challenges. But, you know, I really am very careful not to make it difficult for them to make a choice. And so I can tell pretty quickly if someone is going to want that level of detail or if I should just say, look, here are a couple options for you, maybe some packages um, and so, and I, you know, as I talk with them, I can, you know, I can make some decisions for them along the way and, and not be really, you know, nosy or pushy, but just say, you know, this is what I would maybe do in this circumstance. This is maybe what you would want to do. Um, and because people can definitely get overwhelmed. The one thing I absolutely know from being in events coordination for as long as I was is all of those folks, whether it's a marketing agency, an event coordinator, anyone in the hospitality area, anyone that is doing work for another, let's say third party, fourth party, whatnot, they have a whole list of things on their list of to-dos. And so they were all of a sudden so told, go find a unique treat for our guests, you know, go find this. Um, we wanna send holiday gifts to our clients and they have so many other things to do. And so I've made it with my business very, very easy. That workflow process is really seamless. And yes, I have some opportunities to make it even more um, seamless for internally and maybe even externally, but, um, you know, responsiveness is huge. And so, and just, like I said, making it super easy for people to say yes. Um, yeah. So those are a couple, couple things that come to mind when we talk about that. Yeah. It, it's nice having options, but being able to be guided along that path mm -hmm. as well. So it, well, I'm not it, afraid to say no. Like if someone has this idea <laughs> and, you know, they want, you know, this is the thing. I have some standards with cookie decorating. And again, you know, I feel I'm the professional. I'm assertive. I, I, you know, you have to be confident in what you are offering. And so you have to also be able to say no or guide a person in a different direction because you have to execute that order. And, you know, it might sound great now, but when, you know, February comes and you're like looking at the order going, why did I agree to this? <laughs> you know, just be, you know, so we are not just, yes, yes, yes. Let's do this. Let's do this. It's, you know, what is going to be best for the whole team and what is going to be the best presentation? So I'll give you an example. If someone asks me, oh, I would love a three-tier cake and I would love to put the bride's name and the wedding date and I would love to put a quote on there. And I'm like, whoa, time out. 
<laughs> but here's where that suggestion can come in. Because first of all, the cookies are so beautiful. And I like more simplistic designs. You don't have to get super, you know, detailed. And it's I think simple is, is beautiful. But mm. part of our presentation and part of what makes us unique is that all of our bagged presentations and many of our gift tin presentations include a coordinating ribbon, a custom cover, and a coordinating tag. So I always tell people, you know what? Don't put everything on the cookie. Let's put the bride's name and the groom's name on the cookie. Let's put their wedding date on the tag. Let's add some, you know, some decor on the, you know. So really it's, again, it's being confident and being that professional, being that expert and not being afraid to say, you know what? I don't necessarily, that might be, that may not be the best direction to go. And this is why, and tell them why. Don't just mm-hmm. say no, you know, don't be mean or rude, but just say, <laughs> In my experience, this is what I've seen. If I put too many words on the cookie, you really lose the the the, the cookie design. Um, and there's lots of ways that you can just make the whole presentation look just stunning. Yeah, well, and saying no actually builds trust when you provide a proper explanation. Mm-hmm. And, and and that trust is critical when you're de- dealing with special events and, and and people who are making a significant investment in in you. So yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you there about <laughs> you got to know when to say no. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, Annette, I, I heard you say that you are type A, <laughs> and I also heard you say you and your staff. So yes. now I, I know you are a, a self-taught baker, mm-hmm. right? So do you allow others to bake the cookies, or is that an area you still kind of keep over for yourself? Okay. Well, I know my sister, Sylvia Schwartz, okay. I have to mention her name, is <laughs> listening or eventually be listening. And so um, I think, I don't know if I gave myself the name. She may have given me the name as the cookie snob, okay? (laughs) I was a cookie snob for years and I would not let go. I mean, I had to do everything. I had to, I had to buy the supplies. I had to make the dough. I had to, you know, bake the cookies and make all the frosting and all the frosting consistencies and all the colors. And I would, you know, I would outline. I would not let anyone outline. I was the only one that could flood. And okay, tables have turned. (laughs) (laughs) They had to turn because, you know, we really have evolved. And I'm super excited when I look back and it's like, wow, even my kids that are now, you know, one's out of college, one's in college. And their memories of when we first started in our home kitchen, and now we've got this production going on, you know, nationwide reach, and they're just in awe. And um, and so, but I had to let go. So with that, um, I find myself, you know, in my position, again, I'll refer back to Marquette a lot because I was there 24 years and I just adored my work there. And like I said, I would still be there, but I learned so much. And I learned that you have to have a team. You can't do everything alone. And um, I managed the software for one of the scheduling systems. And so I was a really good trainer. I thought I was very good at training. And so I said, you know what, what am I doing? (laughs) Why am I trying to do it all? And so I'm really excited, you know, woman-owned business, family-operated. So the team that you mentioned is, you know, myself, my husband, Larry, who has got an incredible background in commercial photography and marketing. He's phenomenal. He's the director of operations now. (laughs) So (laughs) imagine he's taken a ton off my plate. My sister is, we've been decorating since our kids were little. And so she just, I adore working with her. And I have um, a staff member, uh, Jasmine, who's come aboard. And I have a slew of other people that I bring in as the work needs or demands. And then I have, you know, my nieces will help out. My mom, who is in her 80s, mom, I have to say hello to her. She's, <laughs> she's helping me behind the scenes. And she's my biggest cheerleader. And so, you know, it's just, it's so fun. So now I'm very proud. It's a little bit longer answer than you wanted, but I'm proud to say I'm no longer a cookie snob. 
um, and that I've sh I'm sharing. And I'm really excited because one of my teammates, you know, she's expressed interest in learning the craft and potentially, you know, creating her own business. And I am so happy to be able to say, look, hey, we're full. I need to refer these folks to someone. Can I refer them to you? And so, you know, we're in conversations right now. It would make me the happiest person if I could, you know, teach someone how I took my business from a hobby to a business and, you know, and just share and just say, okay, do this, do this, don't do this. <laughs> and, you know, that would just make me really, really happy because I, I just love to share my knowledge and expertise. So, but, but yeah, so have to have a team and I'm already thinking in the next month and a half, I might need to expand that team. <laughs> wow. Do you, what is like the biggest thing that you've done as an event? I mean, you mentioned wedding things. I got to imagine yes. that's several hundred in some cases, right? Yes. So weddings, we we do. Um, because of COVID, of course, they've subsided a little bit where we're doing much smaller uh, gatherings for bridal showers and weddings. Um, we're doing, I will talk about it, I'm sure, but the cookie kits and virtual decorating experiences have just literally exploded. Our November and calendar, November and December calendar is completely, every single time slot is filled. And, um, but no, the bigger jobs that we do, um, and this is where I think in January, the team's gonna have to sit down and say, okay, folks, what are we gonna do? What direction, again, going back to niching down, doing one thing and doing it really well. Because right now, when you look at the website, it looks like we do everything, we do it all. We do small events, big engagements, corporate gifting, we do cookie parties, we do, you know, virtual experiences. And so, um, I mean, we are doing, I mean, today we're pumping out probably close to 300 gift tins. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, cookie kits are going out the door. So, you know, wow. um, the virtual experiences have literally been 24 people to over 300. So they're, we're just having a ball. And, um, <laughs> you know, and it's funny because um, for years, you'd think with my background, and I like to talk clearly, <laughs> Um, I That's would have done thing. video, I, you know, on social media. I had not, pre-COVID, I did zero videos. I had, I didn't have a, a Facebook group. Now I have a Facebook group. I'm doing virtual experiences. Um, I do, you know, spontaneous live um, videos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, one of the, one of the things that I always said is that, you know, when things happen and they don't go the right way, something always good comes out of it. I truly believe that. And so for us, it's, in, and for me personally, you know, taking a step back when everything happened, um, you know, it was six weeks of, of crickets. It was everything canceled, everything. We were doing big business with the brewers and, you know, um, Children's Hospital. I mean, it, the, and you wouldn't even believe me if I told you some of the names. And I'm not going to do that right now. But it's it's everything stopped. And um, but we're doing high volume. But you know what? I still love, love, love the small orders that are intimate for the baby showers, the weddings, the birthday celebrations, because, you know, that is my following. Those are my people and all of those per, uh, personal milestones and celebrations compared with professional opportunities. You never know who that person is. If they're looking for a gift tin for 12, they could be, you know, the VP or in charge of human resources. And now they want to do multiple virtual experiences for their team nationwide. So I'm, you know, very careful and very sensitive to know, not, not assume and not, not judge and just, you know, be as, as, welcoming as I can and, you know, being realistic in what we can and can't do. But, um, but yeah, now it's time where we need to say, okay, to be able to serve our, 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 our uh, fans the best, I think we do need to niche down a little bit now. And it kind of, it kind of makes me sad <laughs> because I want to do it all. But I, I think it's time where we have to say, okay, because I see so much potential with these cookie gifts. Uh, ki the kits are so fun. I mean, we're making our own sprinkles. 
Um, we have every shape you can imagine. And I know that one of the things that we may talk about is our 3D printing technology that we're doing. And so I just, I just, again, very important to me, quality, 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 and not, you know, quantity in the sense of don't take on too much because I want that to be the highest level. And I say that over and over and over, um, because it's important. I mean, I want people to open that box or, you know, that bride to show off her cookies and then people just go, wow, those are amazing. And you can tell when cookiers rush it. You can tell when they don't take your time um, or when they're not in the mood. And, you know, when you're not in the mood to decorate cookies, it's painful. <laughs> and when you're not in the mood, it's because you took too much on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you say cookiers? Is that a new I, term I need you know to what? know? Cookiers. Here's the thing. I'm so glad you said that because... I've been decorating for over 15 years. This is okay. And you know, I'm not, I'm not the youngest one in the room here, but <laughs> it's funny because when I was doing my cookies for a hobby and just for gifts and for family, and even when I started to do some events and people were asking, I had no idea there was this whole world of cookiers, like people that decorate cookies. There's this, you know, huge convention that people go to and, and then social media, and I never followed anyone. I never went, again, self-taught. I just read, I love my cookbooks. I just practice, practice, practice. You know, my sister and I took a class at uh, Michael's Craft Store to, you know, learn how to work with fondant, but completely YouTube videos, just practice, practice, practice. So, um, yeah, so these cookiers are everywhere now. I mean, you see it on Instagram, social media, and but I've actually, I have to turn them all off because I am very focused on what we are doing here, and it's so easy to get sucked in on what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you waste time. You waste time and you always have to realize that someone is always going to be behind you in your journey. And there's always someone that's right with you. And there's always, there's always going to be a million people ahead of you. So why waste your time on the past or the future? Just live the moment. I know that sounds so cliche, but it's so true. And so I'm just loving really trying to do my own thing. Um, it's hard not to be influenced with what you see and hear, but I really try. So when someone gives me a cookie design and they, they, you know, they, they tag another cookier who may even be in the same county, I'll be like, well, why don't you just order from her? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of funny. But if I, I don't copy, I really try not to copy. I always tell them, look, I will follow that vision, but I will put my own flair on it. It's not going to be exactly like what you see because, you know, I like to be creative and not just do what everybody else is doing. I love your designs and they, they are very creative and I'm sure you pull your inspiration from all over the place. Mm -hmm. And especially with, with uh, businesses and, and decorators who start getting bigger, more attention, more social media presence. How do you deal with somebody who wants copyrighted material? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that because on our Facebook and our website, you know, you'll, you'll see uh, company logos. Like for instance, the Brewers is mm -hmm. a great example those cookies you see were made for the brewers. Okay. Those are mm -hmm. not being produced. They're not being sold to the public. Um, all of those logos are protected. And even the companies, um, we have conversations. So if a company is phoning me and saying, look, I'd like to, they have prospective clients, let's say, and they want to include their prospective client logos. I do ask, and you know, really it is their decision, but I always bring it up as a topic of conversation. Do you have the rights to use the, those logos? So very, very careful. Uh, branded characters too. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be careful. Um, you know, hand decorating those types of branded characters. There is some leeway, you know, and especially if you're doing 12 cookies for a neighbor's daughter. I mean, really? Uh, but 
Um, very, very careful about any, I know, well, you know, and it's, and I do actually shy away from that. I really, I, I really don't. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a dangerous place to go and I don't want, you don't need to. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can incorporate that, that theme, if you will, or that celebration of that character. Right. right. So, um, you don't have to actually use, you know, those characters, but yeah, all the company logos, particularly the sports and the universities and, um, I do have the rights to use those um, from the people that are are requesting. Do you work off of uh, just a verbal commitment, or do you uh, do a contract? You know, I do have an official contact contract agreement um, that does talk about the copyright. Um, probably should now probably need to expand on that. Um, you know, when you think about that, um, but there's at least a disclaimer in there. There is mm-hmm. some there is some mention of it. So yes. So as, as we're on the topic of logos and things like that, your other business that we wanted to touch mm-hmm. on here today, when we talked earlier, Justin and I were talking about the cocktail art. And I imagine yes. this printer that you have, now that's the perfect application when you do have a brand that says, I want this special thing on mm-hmm. on the drink and so forth, that's where that comes in. So can you tell us a little bit about how that started or how you started sure. on that side of it? And I'd be willing to bet that there's a fair amount of people out there who aren't familiar with cocktail art. They're like, oh, what, like a martini painting on the wall? (laughs) So maybe just a a brief explanation on on that. Yeah, and I'll have to, you know, I have to thank my friends at the university because a couple years back, uh, more than a couple years already, the catering director who I'd worked with had reached out and said that she had this idea, this concept, and she, you know, sent me a a website and um, she said, do you know how this is done and what is this? And so I kind of looked carefully and I did a little research and they were these floating objects on on glass on these drinks. And I thought, that's interesting. So I did a little research and I found out that um, I think on the West Coast, uh, there was a company, uh, a bartending company, and I can't, I'm at the loss of the name right now. And there are a number of people doing this now, but uh, they had requested to have the service for one of their annual large functions at the university. And um and so the, the person that they reached out to could not accommodate because he, part of his business was just a full package. It was, no, we, we want you to use our bartenders. We want you to use all of our services, not just the, the cocktail art. And at that time, it, you know, it's called a number of different things. We just called it cocktail art. Mm-hmm. So long story short, so I started to kind of look into it and she commissioned us to take on this event. So with some trial and error and, you know, obviously we were doing the edible sugar paper for our cookies and it's really the same medium. It's just a little mm. bit different um, weight of the sheet. But, you know, so I, I did some research with a buddy of mine, my co-owner, uh, Dave Pullman from Pullman uh, Designs, who is, um, I've known him, oh my gosh, since I was this big. But um, so he's a great part, partner. He's an expert in marketing and um, graphic design. And so I did kind of the research on the material that we would use. And then he created the website and we thought, you know what, let's let's try this because this is another way to use our logos or our images. And with his creativity, we thought, what, what a fun company this would be. But, you know, it was all timing. And so mm. it's still there. It's still viable. But because of COVID, blame it on COVID, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it kind of stopped. So we had a good couple of events underneath our belt. So if you look at our Instagram site, you can see some. We were sending them out, um, you know, nationally and a couple of them went international. Um, and so we were really excited and the ball was rolling and then COVID. So all yeah. the special events, because really it is meant to be for special events, you know, in-person events, but it's basically sugar paper mm-hmm. that floats on top of a cocktail. And so whether it's a blended drink or a crushed ice drink, it's super fun because as you're drinking your cocktail, it starts to dissolve a little bit. A great way to showcase your brand, 
to welcome your guests to an event, um, to, it's just that, again, that element of surprise that people are not expecting. And I love that. I love that about my work when I was doing events and I still feel like I'm doing events, but you know, I love that element of surprise. And so we thought this is super cool. And so it, it, I, I'm, I'm confident once we get back to in-person events that that cocktail art is just going to just take off. What does that do for like the, the flavor profile of a drink? Do you use it to complement it? Or do you have different flavors? So that yeah, great question. It's actually a very mild vanilla flavor, so it's best I would say on a, a more of a sweeter drink. You don't really taste it much. Only at the very end, if it completely dissolves, it really depends on how fast that person's consuming their drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the faster you drink your drink, you know that image will still be there, and it will just kind of float to the bottom. But if you linger and you take up like thirty to forty minutes to really kind of nurse that drink it will eventually dissolve into almost like it's probably going to be like an eighth of maybe even less than that of sugar. And so probably better for sweeter drinks, but um, you know, drinks on the racks, I really wouldn't um, use it for. It's more for the, the blended or the crushed ice sweeter drinks. I would, Mm -hmm. I would recommend it for Okay, like a signature drink. Right. Right. Yeah. Another um, thing we wanted to talk to you a little bit about today was as a result of your years of baking here and your experience, we want to know a couple of things. Um, are you a measure by weight or a measure by measure uh, sure. person for your recipes, right? <laughs> I think I know the answer, but we like to ask bakers because I sure. think you're... Yeah, no, that's a great question. I love that question because um, it really depends on what I'm baking. And just for the record, I bake more than just cookies. But again, for the business, it's very important for me to stick with one thing. And just a real funny story. So, you know, last holiday and the years before, uh, we're going weeks at a time, weeks at a morning, day, night. And the day after my last order, I'm standing in the kitchen, my home kitchen, making macarons. And my son was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so I was like, I'm baking. <laughs> I wanted to bake something else. So where I'm going with this is that, okay, macarons, for instance, definitely measure. There are certain recipes that will definitely call for, you know, very precise measuring. But I think many bakes, especially if you bake more than once, there's a little bit of muscle memory, I think, in there. And so we don't weigh, um, at least for our cookies. But I think, um, you know, it comes down to your tools, too, having the right tools and measuring tools and smallwares and you know, whatever that may be that you use, they're very reliable. So it's so funny when someone says, well, it's, you know, a cup, but then it's this many grams. I'm like, well, why don't you just use your measuring cup? <laughs> so I know there's a big debate about it, but I'm all about if you can get away without without weighing, measure it with your tools. Um, you know, so, Great and I've advice. had really good luck. I've, I've baked a lot of different uh, bakes and, um, you know, I have a personal challenge. I have a huge library and my personal challenge is to make one recipe out of every book and uh, before business started to pick up, you can see on my Facebook site, I have a photo album dedicated to that. And so I got about 15 recipes in and then business just took a turn and, and now is just going rampant. So my bakes will have to wait <laughs> until so, December 23rd. <laughs> another uh, question I have, and I, I want your personal opinion. Sure. Um, what do you, I, I'm imagining you, I shouldn't, I do this every time I get kind of ahead of myself and I think I know your answer, but I'm not going to say that. Crunchy or chewy cookie? I like crunchy, personally. And I'll tell you why, at least with our cookies, there's that fine balance of baking that it is soft enough to the bite, but it's 
hard enough and crispy enough that it will travel well because we ship nationwide. We're shipping our cookies constantly. And people ask me, oh, do you ship extra? I'm like, no. But now that you just asked me that, I'm going to ship you extra ones because I'm worried they're going to break. But they don't break. <laughs> but for me, I like a crunchy cookie. So me too. our signature sugar cookies, I'll honest with you, and, and um, I, I tend to multitask when I'm baking and I really shouldn't. If, I, if I'm the one in charge of baking, I should just bake because I've burned more cookies than probably anybody on my team. But <laughs> I think subconsciously I burn them on purpose because when they get really dark brown, you get that nutty, buttery flavor. So I actually liked cookies overbaked. But most of my fans, you know, if they see it's too brown, they're like, oh, it's burnt. It's like, no, it's actually really delicious. Um, so crunchy all the way. I mean, that's for everything. That's for, I love biscuits. I love crunchy, flaky crusts. And yeah, so I'm definitely crunchy. Yeah, me too. I, I, I agree. Like my wife will uh, make cutouts and she'll put some on the side. She thinks they're overdone. I think they're delicious. They're that little extra brown on them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. I think you're both crazy, so whatever. <laughs> See, that's what we ask. <laughs> I like I like a little I like the balance of crunch around the the outside. Okay. And then as you travel inward, it just gets softer and softer. So, so are you a cookie dough eater, like a raw cookie dough eater? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yes, you know, no, no yeah, not a fan. No. I'm with you, Annette. Not me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I. I was just making cookies last night, and I yeah I ate way too much cookie dough. So I, <laughs> but speaking of dough. Yes. Uh, your recipe is it? You said you did this. You've done this for years and years. And as family, is it a family recipe, or is it something to start as a family recipe and you perfected over time, or was it per- perfect right yeah, out of the gate? You know, honestly, it's um, it's a basic sugar cookie recipe. I mean, if I think back way, way, way back, I think it was you know when you go to William Sonoma, I think they had a sugar cookie recipe, and it mm. has been tweaked. I mean, it's our own recipe now because we do vary the flour mm-hmm. season to season. Um, but honestly, it is no secret. It's a sugar cookie recipe with fine ingredients. I would say, you know, you can tell a, a good sugar cookie recipe to maybe not such a good one is if you look at the ingredients, you know, we use really good butter. We use pure vanilla, even though vanilla is very expensive right now, we will not. And we didn't even upcharge for when the, the prices went skyrocketing. Um, it's just really important for us to have a really good flavor cookie. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I say over the years we've definitely tweaked it. Um, it's not a recipe we share, even though it is a basic recipe. Yeah, I do share the royal icing recipe that we use, um, and we do have a couple pro tips in there. We do add a little uh, corn syrup, and again, a little bit more pure vanilla just to uh, make it a little bit uh, sweeter, if you will. But the corn syrup actually is really nice because meringue frosting or royal icing, the medium that we use, can be really crunchy to the bite, even though I like crunch. Sometimes it can be overly crunchy, so that cr- mm. that corn syrup will actually soften that bite a little bit. It will still dry hard, and you can still stack the cookies. You can still ship them. But it also, that corn syrup also makes it a little shiny. It really gives it a nice gloss. So, but yeah, it might t- I mean, I have a tip if you want a tip or two with the sugar cookie. Please. The key, yeah. <laughs> yes, the key is do not melt the butter, please. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> because when you melt the butter, it's going to make your cookies expand. And you've seen the cookies. The cookies mm-hmm. will be the exact shape. Of when they are cut out and here's a little pro tip i only tell people that do classes and parties but mm-hmm. when we cut out our cookies that dough is super cold we put those cut out cookies in the freezer mm. and they sit in the freezer and they go right to the oven freezer so those cookies are oven. extremely extremely cold before they go in the oven and that really helps to keep that butter cold and oh. that will keep the shape of the cookie so nice well, that's a golden nugget <laughs> yeah that's a good cool that's a good tip rather yeah, and you mentioned uh, you vary the flour season to season. What environmental elements are going into play there that uh, you have to adjust for? 
Yeah, you know, it's just ever so slight and it might be just because of the way our bake shop is positioned. In the summer, it gets very moist. And then in the fall, it gets really dry up, up in our space. And so, you know, we just ever so slightly, we take away flour or we'll add flour um, because we don't want the cookies to dry out in the winter. And we don't want them to be, again, too moist or too soft in the summer where they're going to be brittle and they're going to break. So we found that if we vary ever so slightly, because what happens with royal icing when you're decorating hand cookies, you have to leave them out to dry. And so it, overnight, I mean, and it scares oh. people to like, what, you leave your cookies out overnight <laughs> to dry? But there's moisture in the in the royal icing that's seeping into the cookie. But you have to because you cannot disturb the royal icing until it's completely dry. If you cover it, um, it will it, it might change the color. Sometimes you get spots on some of the darker frosting colors. So you have to let it completely air dry. You can speed up air drying it with a fan. Um, I've just discovered using a dehydrator, which is amazing. Um, that's another whole topic. But um, <laughs> so the seasonally, again, we just found that to help avoid the drying out and to help to, um, uh, you know, take a little bit of the moisture out that we don't want, um, it's just a little bit of the flour amount. Have you baked anywhere else in the country, like different elevations or, or anything like that? I have not. No. And I know there's a lot of conversation about that. And people do have, like, I'm in a couple of cookie groups and, you know, there are people that just say, you know, they struggle with their royal icing. It doesn't dry or it dries too fast or the, the colors fade or they, you know, they get blotches, they get air bubbles. They get, yeah. So I don't have those problems. Fortunately here, see one of the benefits of living in Wisconsin. Uh, one of the many reasons. <laughs> yes. Very, a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have those problems. I'm not, and I have not, I do not have personal experience of baking other than in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> And the whole progression of starting the business and realizing you were going to try to turn it into to something and you started in your home. How did the transition or how did that first start? I mean, was it just literally your your mixer that you've used for many, many years? You just started with that or did you realize that you'd need more capacity and upgrade a little bit? And then the progression to where you kind of are today, where did you know when you had to make those leaps? Oh, Sure. Well, starting, um, yes, in my home kitchen, and I have pictures to prove it, <laughs> and they're quite funny when I look at them, and I just scratch my head, how, how did we do that? And when <laughs> I decided to start investigating getting licensed, you know, it, it was the day where I looked around my kitchen and my kitchen was gone. I had six foot tables in my kitchen. <laughs> I didn't have a, a couch anymore. And I thought, you know what? Something's got to give. And I wanted my house back. And so I did my homework. And fortunately... Um, our space is com is connected to a residence. Now, a lot of lot, not a lot of people know this, but we are fully state licensed and separate entrance, separate you know kitchen, commercial grade kitchen. It was literally almost meant to be, and so I did my research and I just you know and here's the thing: I didn't step in 100%. I was still working full time. I wasn't quite sure that this is something I wanted to do long term, so I took my time. I didn't say, okay, I'm going to go buy all the fancy tools. I'm going to buy the oven and the whatever. We just gradually, gradually added to our uh, repertoire, if you will. And I never took a loan and I never was in debt for the business because again, I took my time. I took my time and, you know, and everybody's different, you know, but for me, that's just how it happened for us. And um, yeah, so that's kind of, where it, kind of where it went, but I did my homework and checked with the city and the state and uh, found out what all the regulations were and what the requirements were, the codes. And I actually slowly, slowly over a year, it took me to get that space in shape before I even filled out the application. 
So when they came in, when the inspector came in, the only thing I had to change in my space was the light fixture because it was glass. And he said, you know what? You just have to switch that out to something plastic. So, you know, if something were to happen, you know, the plastic is, is of course, more safe than, than glass. But mm-hmm. And maybe the baseboards. We had to put a baseboard around uh, the flooring. But that was it. We were approved, and we've never looked back. Oh, you did your homework. Mm-hmm. So, Annette, when you started, and um, it was, I'm sure, a lot of word of mouth. And as you're growing now, do you find not having a brick-and-mortar store out front where people can come in? I mean, is that are you at all feeling like you need that at some point, or are you just happy doing it the way you're doing it and just not have any brick-and-mortar at all? There was not one moment in my journey that I wanted or felt the need to have a brick and mortar. In fact, I shied away from it <laughs> um, because number one, you know, I didn't leave one full-time job to have another full-time job that was going not that was not going to give me a little bit of freedom and for me to be a create my own schedule. So, mm. you know, a brick and mortar was not something that I really wanted or needed. And even now, I mean, I think I have more traffic than probably some brick and mortar stores. And I mean, take away COVID, okay, you know, before that. But because, and I think I attribute that to, again, a high quality product. I'm kind of a hidden treasure. People don't know. Some of my neighbors don't even know what I do. <laughs> and it's so funny because they're like, why didn't you tell me you did this? And I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> she's that truck pull so, up to your back door all the time. What's funny? that about? <laughs> I know. And, um, but my point is, is that, you know, I think whether you have a brick and mortar or not, I think the business is there. And if you have a high quality product and number one, you're responsive to people and you also understand what their needs are and you do a good work for them, they're just going to tell all their friends and family. And here's the other thing is you have to ask for recommendation reviews. I think I have a huge following on Facebook. I have a bunch of testimonials, not because people are willing to, and a lot of people do, they do it on their own time and there are great people out there that do take the point and I do reviews all the time because I know people appreciate it, but I ask people, you know, please share your experience. And that just, that just evolved. I mean, that is incredible how that can just spiral. Um, So yeah, I don't do any, we put very, very little, if any, into marketing. We don't run Facebook ads. Nope. I mean, we don't do print. Nope. I mean, we, we put our money into my time of me following up with people making phone calls. I'm totally old school. I love handwritten notes. I will call you (laughs) if I don't hear from you. Um, You know, I'm sending the UPS tracking with a personal note. I'm not just saying, here's your tracking. It's not automated because I want to reach out to them. I want to see, you know, to make sure that everything is, you know, to par. I send a picture. This is funny. Some cookiers don't send pictures. I was in a conversation. Some people don't send pictures to their clients before they pick them up because they're worried their client's not going to like their cookies. What? (laughs) Are you kidding me? <laughs> I send pictures to the person who's picking up before they come pick it up. It gives them an opportunity. First of all, it gives me an opportunity to get their reaction, which is 99.9% of the time amazing. And now I have it in writing. Yeah. And then if there is, maybe if I did misunderstand or misinterpret, there's an opportunity for me to fix it before they wait, you know, before they come and pick up that order or before I ship it. So I think it's a lost opportunity when you're not communicating with your clients, uh, you know, from the front end to the, the during the planning process and it, even after before that pickup. Mm, that's a very nice touch. I think you do there. That, that to me, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and I look forward to it. I love the, sending the picture is like, oh, yeah. I get to send the picture. And they're going to be so excited. And 
it's I, I just love that part of it. So, yeah. Like you've t- talked about before, Rich, um, when a chef comes out and uh, to touch a table, right? Did I use yes. that term correctly? Correct. It's it's the same thing. You're, you're, you're creating uh, a memory and mm-hmm. you're creating an emotion. You're, you're creating an impression that will be remembered. They might not remember what was said, mm-hmm. but they're going to remember how they felt. And that, that carries through the years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Winding down here, mm-hmm. somebody's in your position now that, that you were at 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about turning their hobby into their profession. Hindsight 2020, top three things that, that uh, you could advise them to do or not do. Okay. I would say um, set boundaries. Definitely set boundaries. Um, not for necessarily the people that are asking for your service, but for yourself. You know, when I look back, um, I needed to set some time aside for myself. I mean, I was running full time events coordination. So nights, weekends, Hmm. running my business. So literally three or four days a week outside of my 50, 50, 60 hours at Marquette, I was coming home. And so I was spending a lot of time um, because I wanted to. It was my passion. But looking back, I was running myself a little bit too much. Um, you know, I, I, I look back and I'm like, you know, I probably wasn't the healthiest. <laughs> I had mm. some health issues and I just, I just kind of put them aside. So that is number one is get excited, be passionate, but don't, you know, set boundaries and don't run yourself because it'll be there. It's not going to go anywhere. Take your time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be something. Yeah, for sure. That, uh, time and patience, right? Time That's, and patience. Yeah. yeah. And then another thing I think, you know, in terms of what you should do is plan ahead. I think organize. I'm a very much of a list person. And if you're not, uh, become a list person. And because that will help you prioritize. And because there's going to be so many things on your plate when you are looking to do a hobby to a business. I mean, it is not just, hey, someone wants cookies. I'm going to sit down, cut them out, bake them, decorate them. I mean, all the administrative work behind the scenes is mm-hmm. um, is, is just huge. It's huge. Um, I always say that sometimes there's just not enough time in the day, not enough time in the night. And so really understand what you're getting into. And the other thing is, please ask for help. I probably waited too many years before getting help. So Mm. I needed to let go probably sooner. And even now there's things that I should be letting go of. And I know that. Um, And, uh, but you know, baby steps. (laughs) So Annette, I have it on good word that you've started to incorporate 3D printing into your business model? Yeah. So let me just explain real quick. The 3D technology is something that um, really makes us stand out from our competition. And um, my husband and operations director, as I told you, um, he thought it was crazy. So one day I was just searching online and I thought, you know, we are spending how much money on cookie cutters because our Mm. service is custom design. How can we be custom design if we can't make the different shapes and the different sizes that's where it was really getting tricky is, okay, I had the shape, but I didn't have the right size because we do bag favors and gift tins and platters and such. And so I did a little research <laughs> and I found my neighbor. I went on the next door app of all things and found my neighbor was selling an old used 3D printer. I had no idea how to use it. I watched a couple of YouTube videos, but he was giving me a great price. He had all the materials, all the tools. And I thought, okay, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to set it aside. And I remember my husband going, what are you crazy? What are you going to do? Okay. He didn't use the word crazy, but in my mind, that's what I heard. (laughs) And I said, it's okay. It's okay. We don't need to do this now, but this is my summer project. So when we found some time, him and I sat down and the videos are just so funny because we had some, I, I kind of narrated throughout our experience because they're tricky to use, but once you get them down, 
wow. And so now we do not upcharge. We make our own cookie cutters. I don't buy them anywhere anymore. And we make a variety of shapes and sizes now. And our corporate friends are loving it because we can oh. do their brand. Yeah. And then it's theirs. I mean, it's, um, I do, in fact, we just did an order for Boomerang. And in their cookie kit, we're doing a virtual event for them next week. And I made a boomerang. They're going to flip when they see that. Yeah. That <laughs> so is so it's cool. It's so fun. And it, again, well, that, yeah. no one else is doing that. So, well, I, I was just, <laughs> just going to say, maybe we don't want to air this section I of the know, show. Because yeah. I, I didn't even put this together when I saw 3D. I'm thinking, okay, it's for the top of the... For the top of the uh, drink, but no, whoa, wait, yep. no, 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 this is cookie cutter. This is right. cool. Oh. That's your secret sauce. You there you go. Wanna, yes. Well, and on the DL. Yeah, that that <laughs> creates re repeat customers. I would imagine because you just shelf their logo and mm -hmm. they know where to go back to because they've they're, they're right. already set up with you. Yeah, and not only the shape, but we have the ability to do imprints. Uh -huh. So Kaylin Construction, who I love, Christy Pryor. Hey, Christy, she's been a long-standing client of ours, and we have mixed it up with their designs and. Um, we have an imprint cookie that we created with their logo. So in their box, and it varies season to season, but sometimes we'll do the edible sugar paper. Sometimes we'll do the imprint and then we'll do hand frosted. And so they've got some, so, and then we have a house, like a house shape that goes with their theme. And mm -hmm. so it's really fun that their clients, if they do have repeat, they're not getting the same thing. There's right. some, some options there. Yeah. So yeah, I love it. And it doesn't take long to print. And um, it's uh, again, we don't, because the, the cost is so small, the initial investment is not that much that, um, you know, you, you see a lot of places with good reason. And again, being a small kind of a small business, if you will. And and uh, uh, we don't have a lot of overhead, which allows us to um, keep those costs down um, for our clients. So if someone were to have a small event that they want to do, what would the process be? I mean, would they just go on your website? Is there sizes of, of options available and pricing right on mm -hmm. your, your site? Or how would someone go about that? Yeah. So our website is really, I think, well done in the fact that it gives you a really good description of what you can expect. Um, and so our pricing guide is right online. Um, it's on the pricing tab. And we have a variety of presentations. So favor bags, gift tins, platters. And then we always leave it open, of course, for custom. And for years, we didn't have our pricing out on the website. And there's lots of debate whether you should or you shouldn't. I know my buying experience, and I'm, I'm going off of that. And I know when I go shopping for something, I want to know what I'm going to be spending, or at least generally what it's going to cost me. So you understand with a custom design product or service, there's always going to be um, some, you know, some negotiation there, if you will, based on what you really need. But I thought, you know what, let's get that pricing out there. It's no secret. Um, and But we do have starting prices. And we leave that as starting prices because it actually works to our customers' benefit. Because if we just had flat out, this is how much it costs, that's really unfair for something that we do because the labor and the design intensity varies. So if you're looking for something super simplistic, maybe one color, two color, um, a shape that we already have, I mean, I'll work with you and give you the best price. And also depending on how it's packaged. So, you know, the process would be for a customer is, you know, I would direct them to the website. There's a, a gallery, but of course our Facebook has a huge gallery all categorized by theme. So I always kind of tell people go there for inspiration. Um, but I really always try to say, you know what? I love to create new things. What is it that you need? What hmm. is it that you want? What is your vision? What, you know, so that's why our online form is a great next step for someone to at least share their vision. It asks lots of questions, but it's very quick to fill out. And then, you know, myself or my team member will respond with some options. 
And we have um, an estimate process. And then once the estimate is confirmed, then we take it to the order confirmation and the invoice. You know, so we have a nice workflow process that's all online. I mean, I don't, I have people ordering and I've never talked to them on the phone. Um, you know, where I've had people knock on the door, which is fine. You know, I've had people text me. Um, you know, we don't do samples. We don't need to because I refer people to the website and I refer people to our, our testimonials and our, our gallery. It speaks for itself. And I, and again, it's going back to that being confident, being assertive and say, look, there's just, number one, there's just not enough time to make samples for everybody. <laughs> I mean, I'll make an exception maybe for a wedding, um, especially, you know, if they're not really sure what they want to do. Absolutely. And, and those samples, that that cost for that sample goes back into their order. So if they do choose to to order. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just say, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you want to try a new product, they don't, you know, okay, sometimes at Costco, you can try a sample, <laughs> but normally you buy it, you try it. If you like it, you buy again. So our shop tab allows people to buy a smaller package, a smaller sampling, um, because we can't, again, small business, those samples add up. So we can't do complimentary samples. Um, we never really, really, really never did. And, um, but, um, we understand that sometimes you do need that, that sample, but, um, we take it on a case by case basis. Well, Annette, uh, I think it is time we do need to wrap things up and thank you so much for today. It's uh, been a real pleasure talking to you. And we always like to ask our guests, uh, at some point in your life or your career, uh, someone has said something or you read a quote that inspires you or, or continues to drive you. Do you have anything like that? You know, I thought long and hard about this and yes. And I kept circling back, circling back to the same thing. It's quality over quantity. It is. It's just quality. And I know that's probably been mentioned more times than you can count. But especially now, I mean, today, even this morning, I was reflecting and the last couple of days, I have so many people that I have just declined orders for because we're just full. And I, you know, I'm trying to push people to maybe January, New Year celebration you know, instead of December. Everybody wants the first week of December. And part of me is like, you know, it is quality, not quantity. You know, yes. Could I take those on? Could I bring in a few more people really quickly? Could we execute those? But Why? I mean, why, why do I want to push myself, push my team to a limit that we're not prepared for? And so I think it's really important to kind of keep things in perspective and never, ever, ever give up that level of quality that people have been accustomed to know and depend on and expect. It's really easy for someone to get caught up and be a workaholic. Now, yes, I'm a type A, as I mentioned before. I love my work. I love working. I will always work for as long as I can. I will always work. And I always continue to innovate and maybe my, my passions will change, but I do know now after many years of doing two full-time jobs that, you know what, it is quality, not quantity. You know, who am I trying to prove? I've, I've set goals. I've reached many of those goals. I have more goals to set. Yes. But you know, don't get caught up in the quantity, really focus on quality. No, I think that's solid advice. It's worth repeating. So thank you for that very, very much. Thank you very much. I really appreciate our conversation and I, I, the questions were amazing and it's so nice working with Ballrath. And I love the products that we have. Uh, you know, we didn't even talk about that, but I absolutely adore the small wares and I absolutely adore the, the tray covers, which are wonderful because we are a small space and those tray covers allow us to compact. <laughs> and so thank you. Thank you for that. And um, we appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so how you can reach us is edibleimpressions.net. We have a website. Our two primary social media outlets will be Facebook and LinkedIn. And of course, we're also on Pinterest uh, because I think down the road, Pinterest is going to be a big thing. So we definitely have a profile mm -hmm. there. 
and Instagram. I mean, Instagram, I'm on there just for fun. It's a great, quick way to show people what you do. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you again for today. It was really, really a pleasure talking to you. Thank and, you. and thanks for all the tips to our listeners and all that great uh, advice. Don't melt the butter and put the cookie <laughs> put in, the in the freezer. freezer. Yes. Big, big things right there. Uh, but really uh, just a, a pleasure talking with you and, and hearing your story. And we wish you all the best of luck. And just thank you again for being a guest with us here today on the Volrath feed. Thank you so much. All right. Wow. Justin, do you think she likes bacon cookies and her business uh, baking? Yeah, we talk a lot about cookies. Man, but... I don't know. I, it's difficult <laughs> to tell if she's uh, yeah, still into what no, she does there. That's, that's cool. <laughs> that is cool. That really brings up an interesting and vital component about any business is preserving your passion. And yeah. you have to space it out. If you're constantly going to that well and you're putting in 16-hour days constantly, then it's – I don't care who you are. That's going to – it's going to burn out at some point. And, and that has a potential to create resentment for something that you once loved. So she's an excellent example about how to take what you love doing as a hobby – turning it into a profession, and then continuing to love what you do. Right. She had that advice when she talked about boundaries, setting time for you. Mm-hmm. And, and right. be excited about your passion, but understand, still take that time for you. That was that was great advice that she gave and that little tip about planning as well. A couple of good yeah. nuggets there for everybody, I think, to take away. Yeah, and being able to let go of things to 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 allow people to fill in those those areas that you you once controlled, but you know trusting them to take that over because you really you can't do that anymore as you expand. You you've got to put your areas of focus into other other priorities. Right. And speaking of priorities, I I a couple of people I know that have been in business for themselves did the same thing where they didn't borrow money, and you just bought it as you needed it. You didn't get ahead of yourself. You kept it at a pace you could manage. And it's really a good formula for success. And it was it was interesting to hear that from her as well, talking yeah. like that. Yeah, whenever you have the capacity to, to do that, to go into business without incurring debt, I mean, yes, absolutely do that. And, and she even said it herself, you know, her, her process and her story is different from other people's. And she, she had the, the ability to continue to working full time while she built up her business so she could make that transition. But like you said, it's in that planning. Mm-hmm. She had a plan she had a list she's a huge supporter of lists and you can you can see how that pays off for her yeah no she was a lot of fun and you can tell she really really likes being a part of those joyous moments that people have you know yeah. how excited she got about it's so cool good talking to her absolutely all right well justin that's gonna bring us i think to the end here so any any closing thoughts from you today Yep, I would like to remind everyone once again, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but please, please hit that subscribe button so you don't ever miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again. And we would greatly appreciate if you left us a review too. Tell us what you like, maybe some things we could improve upon. Uh, And if you have a suggestion for a topic, please let us know that as well. Super. Very good. Thank you. And just let us know this. Reach out to us. You can find us at ballrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And just like Annette with that uh, quote that she thinks, well, maybe it's it's been said before. My quote, I think, is one that's been said before, but it's worth repeating And that don't worry about anybody else and what they're doing. Just focus on what you do best and no one's going to beat you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week ahead. Until next time, take care. <laughs>